Welcome back to the podcast. Happy 2024. It's finally here. I hope you enjoyed your holidays this year, however that looked for you. I didn't get to do my usual trip back to Chicago to see my family, but I was able to do almost a week-long trip to North Carolina for one of my best friend's weddings, which was beautiful, and it was such a fun way to spend New Year's Eve. However, I will say the Southern food is amazing, but my body is definitely feeling it. So I am more than ready to jump back into my routine. It's nice to be back home and get focused on my health and fitness goals for 2024. And if you haven't already signed up, I am starting a free challenge a week from tomorrow. So it's going to start on Monday, January 15th, and it's going to last 10 days. And it's all about building the foundational healthy lifestyle habits you need to basically extrapolate on and successfully achieve your goals. So you can't build a house without a strong foundation. And that's exactly what we're going to be working on in this 10 day challenge. You'll be working on three specific habits and we'll be strategically layering them one on the other from the three categories of sleep and stress, movement, and nutrition. So I give you options for the habits within each category and you pick the ones that are most relevant or important to you and then we're going to work on them together. You'll post your little habit completion tracker on Instagram stories and tag me and that's an entry into an awesome giveaway where there will be a grand prize but more importantly than that it's just a really great way to build community in the new year and have others hold you accountable and hold yourself accountable and like I said it's completely free so why the heck not is my question if you haven't signed up go ahead and head to the show notes I'll have the link right there but we already have a handful of really amazing people in the group and I'm so excited to get started with everyone so make sure you sign up but today's question that we're going to dive into is another listener question and that is which fitness supplements should i be investing in <clears throat> okay <laughs> i'm just laughing because this is such a common question and i don't blame people uh the supplement marketing industry right now is on one let me tell you it is craziness i feel like i've touched on this a little bit in my previous episodes but it's like I, at least me because i follow a lot of health and fitness type accounts on my social media because of what i do i get inundated with ads i mean i'm sure everyone's seen the ad for ag1 at this point um or an ad because there's so many and they very heavily rely on influencer marketing and i'm not saying there's anything inherently bad with that it's actually a pretty good product but there are also some not so great products out there that really rely on misleading marketing tactics to get people to buy. And I have fallen victim to that myself. So I'm not judging anyone who does, but I just think it's important for that reason to be super educated in one, what to look for in a supplement and two, understanding what supplements you actually need or are gonna get the most bang for your buck from. So that is what this episode is all about. it's going to be broken out actually into two episodes because the original question pertained more to supplements in general, but in thinking about it and just strategically wanting to break this up, there are kind of two categories the way I look at it. There's like the fitness and performance supplements like creatine and protein that we think about. And then there's more like just healthy living supplements like a daily multivitamin and magnesium and all that. So I will be touching on the health and wellness specific supplements in a separate episode. So. When we talk about fitness supplements, there are, of course, a lot out there, but the main ones that we tend to think of are pre-workout, BCAAs, creatine, and protein, and these will be the four that I am focusing on today. I just want to remind everyone that I am not a medical professional, so while I will be speaking to some general recommendations based on my education, 
on this episode, it is always important to consult your healthcare practitioner before implementing any of these, okay? Their research is always changing. There can be contraindications depending on a medication you're taking. Always, always consult your healthcare practitioner before adopting any of these suggestions. The first thing I want to focus on before diving in is supplement quality. It's important to remember that unlike food products, supplements are not regulated by the FDA, meaning it's on the consumer really to take extra precaution when it comes to selecting supplements and ensuring that they contain quality ingredients. So on your end, this means making sure that there are scientific, peer-reviewed research, reviews, and clinical trials available to back the products you are looking at, and also making sure that they're third-party tested for label accuracy. So companies that do this should be posting the peer-reviewed research on their website very visibly for you to see when you're scrolling their website it's something they should be proud of right so it should be easy to find you can always email a supplement manufacturer if you're willing to go to that length to ask them for the research um, but that is something you definitely want to look for and in terms of independent testing for label accuracy you can check some of the following websites consumer lab u.s pharmacopoeia honestly don't know how to pronounce that uh the abbreviation is usp (laughs) informed choice banned substance control group which the abbreviation is bscg and nsf international and these are all resources i have been pointed to for my own education so they are trustworthy and reliable so i just wanted to clear the air about that because Like I said, there's a lot of misleading supplements out there, a lot of companies pushing out product just trying to grab money, and they don't do their due diligence on their end to ensure it's a quality product because there's no one really holding them accountable to it unless they sign up for that. So just be really careful. Uh, There can be contamination of other, I mean, sometimes even like illegal substances in terms of like steroids, whatever. It's it's just important to be careful and go with really well-known and trusted brands. And I not just buying whatever the cheapest supplement on Amazon you can find is that you've never heard of. And another thing too, I will say, please don't buy your supplements on Amazon because they are not held to the same regulations either. Like they're not tested. So I would just always buy directly from the manufacturer themselves or a trusted website like iHerb or, you know, something like that. Or uh, what's Vitamin Shop, GNC, any of those. All right, on to the real question. This is going to be, I'm going to try to make this so quick and dirty. I'm going to reference some science, but I'm not going to get too deep into the weeds because this would just make this a massively long episode and I want to just kind of answer your questions so you have the answers. So number one, let's cover pre-workout. So pre-workout is usually in the form of a drink mix, like a powder, that contains ingredients like caffeine or a very common stimulant called beta alanine. So these ingredients have been proven to be safe when consumed in recommended doses and they're effective for short-term bursts in performance. So anecdotally, if you've tried pre-workout, you know that you take a scoop, you get a quick and intense burst of energy and it can definitely help you crank out a workout when you're not necessarily feeling like you have the energy levels to do so beforehand. Um, There are different types of caffeine and or stimulants, I should say. Beta alanine is a stimulant. Caffeine is a stimulant. Caffeine often shows up in its anhydrous form in a supplement. Uh, And there's different dosage recommendations for each. So I'll cover the two most popular. Caffeine's recommended dose is 3 to 6 milligrams per kilogram of body weight consumed approximately an hour before resistance training or exercise. So you might have to do the conversion there for kilograms. And 
According to the IOC, the recommended dose for beta alanine is 0.8 to 1.7 grams every 3 to 4 hours for 10 to 12 weeks. Beta alanine is that ingredient that gives you the quintessential tingles when you're going to work out. And if you've ever experienced it, you know, it can be like a little (laughs) uncomfy, the itchies, if you will. So just I recommend checking the dosage, but also more importantly than following the recommended dosage, like make sure you modify it for your needs and definitely start out slow. If you're going to be taking pre-workout, I never exceeded a quarter scoop. That's just my own body's tolerance level, I would start at a quarter scoop. And if that feels okay, or you feel like you need more, bump it up to a half. But like, honestly, one scoop serving is a lot and maybe bigger, more built people can handle that. But I just recommend starting slow if you are going to introduce pre-workout. And my advice here is you can supplement with these if you want to. I would just use it responsibly and do not rely on it. Um, as with a lot of substances, it can become a crutch and it can be something that I understand there's really fun flavors on the market and it can be something that you look forward to that gets your mindset in the zone of like, okay, I'm going to drink this apple martini flavored (laughs) pre-workout. I don't know why I use that flavor guys. And, uh, suddenly like there's a mental and a physical switch that gets you kind of in gear for your workout, but You just want to be mindful because you will, one, adapt to that dosage and then require more and more. And this will affect your heart rate and your your cortisol and stress levels and your hormones. Like you just don't want to become reliant on it or need to have to continually increase your dosage. So you can either cycle on and off it, like take pre-workout for a couple of weeks or months and then take a break from it. Or my biggest recommendation is just use it as needed. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. If there's a day that you feel like, you know, you hit your sleep goal, you aren't sick or anything like that, you're not overly sore, you feel like you should have the motivation to get to the gym, but you're just kind of tired and blah, then use it then, you know, use it wisely. But you do not have to spend your money on pre-workout. While it can be effective and a helpful tool, there are just as effective tools to use that you probably already have at home. Like for example, regular coffee, a regular cup of coffee is not going to punch you in the face with as much of uh, the jitters as a a traditional pre-workout might. You can also do a caffeinated tea, like a green tea or a black tea. So there are different options. And I would say in a nutshell, pre-workout, It's okay to invest in, but I would not rely on it. I would just be very responsible with your usage of it. All right, so hopefully that answers that. The second supplement we're going to get into is BCAAs, also known as branched-chain amino acids. So I'm going to read an excerpt from my NASM Nutrition Coach textbook. Essential amino acids, EAAs, provide building blocks for muscle tissue and other bodily proteins with the branched-chain amino acids, BCAAs, leucine, valine, and isoleucine being the most abundant in skeletal muscle. As previously noted, they cannot be produced in the body and therefore must be obtained from the diet. So branch chain amino acids are a very important building block of protein and therefore muscle tissue. So that's why people supplement with it is usually with the intention of helping them build muscle. However, it's If you're eating an adequate amount of protein in your diet and you're really focusing on that, you should be getting enough from your diet, okay? So as I mentioned with that quote, you do have to get these from external sources typically, but usually you can achieve that through the external source being your diet. So 
these and these have been studied, but it's not very conclusive on whether or not they're extremely effective. If anything, they can have a marginal effect on like athletes in very specific settings. So my two cents here is don't waste your money here. Just really focus on hitting your protein goal and focusing on whole foods first before you go and like drop a bunch of supplements in. I feel like even I, looking back on my fitness history, like I took BCAAs, not really knowing what they did or why, but like I just saw other people using them. (laughs) And that is how certain companies money grab, you know, it becomes trendy to use these products. People don't really understand why they're using them, but it's like, oh, well, everyone on bodybuilding.com is using BCAAs. So, you know, they must be doing something right. Um, So you do not have to waste your money here. In fact, I would recommend you don't skip the BCAAs, just get enough protein in your diet. Okay. Number three, uh, this is one of my favorites, creatine. So There are a few different forms of creatine, which are all beneficial, but I'm going to be speaking to the most studied form, which is creatine monohydrate. Now, creatine is one of the most widely studied supplements. There are thousands of studies, most of them concluding that there is a notable significant impact on muscle building and reduction of muscular atrophy. So it's to the point where they're even actually starting to administer it in hospital patients to help preserve muscle mass during periods of inactivity. So to clarify, I said muscular atrophy, which I realize most people might not know what that is. That means the decaying of your muscles or the breaking down of your muscles. So not only can creatine help you build muscle when you're in a period of going to the gym and working on achieving that goal, but it can also help you retain your muscle just throughout day-to-day life. Um, So it's not just for people that are gym rats. It's also great for like elderly populations, for example, where they're just trying to preserve their muscle mass, or as I mentioned, patient or hospital patients who are not They don't have the ability to be super active and they want to retain that muscle mass while they're in a period of inactivity. So this is just an honestly a great supplement that's gaining a lot more traction because of all of its benefits. And with creatine, it's proven to be most effective when you start with a loading phase of about three to four servings of three to five grams of creatine spread throughout the day for one week. So that's your loading phase is that first week you're basically taking So let's say a serving is three to five grams of creatine. You're taking that three to five gram serving in the morning, afternoon, and night for an entire week. And then you basically bump down to your maintenance serving, which is one serving a day. So that could be the three to five grams. Just be mindful because I think most creatine serving sizes are one gram, which is not bad. It's it's not like you have to hit three to five grams. That's kind of like basically the maximum effective dose before you start seeing diminishing returns. But if you're going to take a very serious approach to a loading phase, you might want to adjust based on the serving size of the actual product that you have. So if you have a one gram serving size container, then you're just, you know, just be mindful that one real serving for you might be three scoops of that. So it's often in a clear powder that you can mix straight into water or smoothies. However, you can also get it in a pill form. So it's whatever you're comfortable with. It doesn't really taste like anything. It can be a little bit gritty. So I tend to recommend if you make smoothies regularly, just throwing it in there if you do get the powder form. And it is completely safe, but it can cause bloating. So that's just something to be aware of. I have put clients on it before and they're like, ooh, I saw my weight go up on the scale when I started creatine loading or I'm feeling a little puffy. That's completely normal. It's just water retention most likely. And I've had that experience myself as well. And there are other forms of creatine that, like I said, I'm not going to get into, but can cause less bloating. So I would just look into the different forms of creatine if that is an issue for you or a concern. 
But this, aside from that, really no negative effects. So in a nutshell, I do recommend investing in creatine monohydrate. Once you've kind of already mastered all of the other essentials, like consuming a healthy diet, going to the gym regularly, I just think with supplements, they're a nice extra boost once you kind of have your routine down. You don't want to overwhelm yourself with all these extras right off the bat if you're just getting started on your journey. Like focus on the free and very essential things that you can do, like getting enough sleep, getting in regular movement, eating a health conscious diet, and then and then we can discuss weaving in some of these fun little extra supplements. Okay, so definitely a go with creatine, but don't feel obligated to do it right off the bat if it's too overwhelming for you. And then last but definitely not least, listen, protein. She's my homie, okay? Contrary to popular belief, it does so much more for your body and overall health and also longevity than just helping you build muscle. It's essential for so many bodily processes, including healthy hormone function, blood sugar regulation, and it can also help you lose weight. So I could go on and on about protein. And I'm sure if you listen to this or you follow me on Instagram, you know I'm literally obsessed with protein. It is just like so underratedly important. (laughs) Oh my goodness. For way more reasons than just fitness and I feel like that's kind of a misconception that it's gained over time is like people are only obsessed with protein in the context of gaining muscle like it does so much more than that and it's something I work very closely with my clients on because every single person's individual protein needs are so different especially when it's when it comes to comparing sedentary individuals with active individuals that have muscle building goals like if you just look up what is the recommended protein intake for an adult, it's probably going to say something like 40 grams a day. Listen, if you are trying to get fit and healthy and add muscle mass and increase your metabolism and heal your hormones, you need more than that. Okay. So it's not a one size fits all approach. And if this is something that you're interested in mastering for your own body, I'll be reopening my one-on-one fitness and nutrition coaching spots next month in February. And I am super excited because I'll be offering extended payment plans this time around, which makes it so much easier for so many of you. Um, If you're doing a six-month program, for example, you'll have the option to pay over 12 months, cutting your monthly payment in half. So I'm very proud about that. I'm very excited about that. And in addition to helping you identify the ideal macronutrient ratios for your goals, you'll get updated customized fitness programs every single month to prevent adaptation and progress stalls. So I'm going to leave the link to the wait list for that in the show notes. If you're interested, just go down, click it, enter your email. That's all you got to do. And then you'll get an email from me next month when spots are starting to open. And I will have very limited spots, but I love working with clients on protein and there's a huge emphasis on that when I work with them. But anyway, I digress. Most individuals are not getting enough protein, as I said, especially those who are active and have specific fitness goals. So while I definitely recommend getting as much protein from whole food sources as possible, it's often kind of necessary to supplement with protein as well. I personally recommend finding a grass-fed whey protein isolate. Um, emphasis on the protein isolate because this form of whey protein does not have lactose and a lot of people are lactose intolerant whether or not they realize it. So this is just a more easily digestible form and grass-fed because it tends to have less of those added hormones and junk in there and also with grass-fed you get a lot more micronutrient content. It's just a lot, the nutritional value is better basically. And if you, so Another thing most people don't realize is you can have a sensitivity to casein, which is a type of 
protein within it's a type of milk protein I believe within like a protein powder so you can have a casein sensitivity even if you're not lactose intolerant so some people just need to avoid milk products altogether and then if that's the case or if you have a different dietary preference like veganism or vegetarian whatever you can use a plant-based protein I recommend a pea protein because pea has all of the essential amino acids and not a lot of other plant sources do so it's important to make sure you're getting the full chain of amino acids and um with that, just make sure that you're looking for brands that test for heavy metals because heavy metal toxicity is actually extremely common in plant-based sources of protein and it's not talked about enough, but that that stuff can build in your system and cause a host of health issues. And I myself have had to detox from heavy metals and it was not fun. So if you need recommendations for specific brands, always, always feel free to DM me email me. My email is encompass.with.kelsey at gmail.com. My Instagram is encompass.health.fitness. I love to answer questions about this and make recommendations. And these recommendations are not at all sponsored. They are just like I have gone through the ringer researching different protein brands and finding what I feel are trustworthy brands. So I'm always just happy and eager to help answer those questions for people. So go ahead and reach out, but I'm also going to link in the show notes, the link to my recommended products pages. Um, wow. I cannot talk today. <laughs> recommended products page on my website. And that does list a couple of protein options that I do recommend. So one for plant-based, I believe, and then another whey-based one. So that's what I will say about sourcing and all of that. And ideally, you want to consume no more than 40 grams of protein per meal or serving so that your body can actually synthesize and use all of it. So once you take like, ugh, like with the whole if it fits your macros approach, if you're familiar with that, it's like as long as you hit your protein goal in a day, you're fine, which there's some truth to that. But also like if you're loading up on protein by just having like three scoops and a shake at night of like 90 grams of protein, um, your body cannot use all of that in one sitting. So basically it's either going to store the rest as fat or like discard it from your body. So just make sure that you don't exceed more than 40 grams of protein per meal or serving or whatever it is. Just break it up throughout the day. And yeah, I mean, a thousand times yes to investing in a quality protein supplement. I think most people need it. This is the number one fitness supplement I recommend investing in. All right, so this has been a lot of information, but to summarize, number one, pre-workout, it can be a helpful tool if you don't overuse it, and you can also just use coffee or a high caffeine tea if you don't want to spend the extra money on a supplement. So that one's really up to you, use SFIT. BCAAs, don't waste your money here. Just focus on consuming enough protein instead. Number three, creatine. Yes, I totally recommend investing in this if you have the rest of your fitness and health fundamentals in check. It can be a great supplement to help you take things to the next level. Number four, protein powder. Yes, yes, yes. I highly recommend. I have some recommended brands listed on my website. As I mentioned, I will link below. And again, just reach out if you have any questions on brands or sourcing and all of that. All right. So thank you so much for tuning into this and a reminder that I will be posting another related episode next about health and wellness supplements. And that's going to go into more of like daily supplements that you should take to support your overall health without taking too many things. And I feel like that's another frequent question I get. So I'm excited to answer and address that. 
um yeah happy january happy 2024 and if you liked this episode please go ahead and interact with it whether it's sharing it to your instagram and tagging me sending it to someone you think would find it helpful again if you feel if you're feeling very generous please, please, please give me a review and a rating. It really takes a few seconds, but helps me so, so much. And I seriously appreciate every single person that tunes in and listens to this help to this information and finds it helpful. And yeah, thank you for still being here. I can't express that enough. Uh, I have been very pleasantly surprised by how receptive everyone has been to this. So thanks again, and I'll see you in next week's episode. 